0: The Big Wake Up by Mark Coggins is what you hope every private eye novel will be, says Edgar Award winning author Megan Abbott. Find it in ebook or trade paperback wherever books are sold. In this podcast, it's read by author Mark Coggins. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com. CHAPTER SIX. TRUE CONFESSIONS. Melina waved me into the Honda and then sped off, looping around the circle drive and out the front gate onto Piedmont Avenue. I glanced in the back of the car as she drove and was surprised to find a three-foot-high Tweety Bird, an empty fish tank, and a man's suit in a plastic dry cleaner bag laid out on the seat.
1: There is a coffee shop on the first corner. Is that okay?
0: I'm sure it will be fine, I said, but I don't think it mattered what opinion I'd expressed, because she had already pulled into a parking space in front of Giacomo Java's house, bumping the undercarriage of the car on the sidewalk as she stopped. She looked over at me and grimaced.
1: Sorry, I am still not comfortable with Araceli's car.
0: The curb was too high anyway. I was itching to ask her how she found me and what she wanted to talk about, but I decided to wait until we sat down. Shall we go inside?
1: Yes, but I am buying.
0: Great. Then I'm drinking. We got out of the car and went through the rickety door of Giacomo's, which set an anemic bell tinkling. Besides an Asian guy staring intently at an Apple laptop with a pair of white earbuds screwed into his head, we were the only ones in the place. I snagged a table by the window while she went up to order the coffee. I watched as she talked to the guy with dreadlocks behind the register and you could see that the opportunity to serve her had given him a whole new appreciation for the term job satisfaction. She really was something to look at, as much from behind as the front. She had exchanged the morning dress from the wake for a clingy wool sweater, a long wool skirt, ballet flats and a beret, but had kept the color black. As she reached over the counter to pick up the coffees, the skirt pulled tight across her posterior, the muscles in her legs and rump flexed, and I wished I had ordered enough to make her take two trips. Dreadlocks tracked her as she returned to the table, then met my eyes and shook his head. He threw the counter towel against the coffee urns and went into the back room. Melina put the coffee on the table and settled herself into one of Giacomo's venerable stick-back chairs. She cradled her mug with both hands and looked over it to give me a curious smile.
1: So August... You did not tell me or my father you were going out with Araceli.
0: I had already taken a sip of my coffee and narrowly avoided a spit-take. That's for the very good reason that I wasn't going out with her. I told you I just met her.
1: Then what was your suit doing in her apartment?
0: If you found a suit in her apartment, it's not mine.
1: What size are you?
0: 48 regular.
1: Then it is yours a 48 regular Hugo Boss. I brought it in the car to give it back to you. I have been packing most everything personal of hers to ship back to Argentina, but there are a few items like the suit that I would not want to send back.
0: I put my coffee mug carefully down on the table and took time to square the handle just so. Look, Melina, I said, Hugo Boss and I are not on speaking terms. I've never owned a suit that costs more than 300 bucks. And your sister and I really weren't on speaking terms either. We barely said two sentences to each other. She was an attractive girl. I'm sure there were many men who wanted to have a suit in her closet, but it wasn't me. I could see doubt in her eyes, but she wasn't ready to give up.
1: You were her type.
0: She held up her arms and clenched her fists in a gesture that might generously be labeled manly. Or not so generously, Neanderthal.
1: And then there is what your secretary said when I visited your office.
0: I knew this wasn't going to be good. And what was that?
1: When I walked in, she looked me up and down and said, Not another one. I know that I am not as beautiful as my sister.
0: That's not true, Melina. You are very...
1: Please do not say it. You are very kind. I may not be as beautiful as Arateli, but it is clear we were sisters. Your secretary must have seen Araceli with you and recognized that I was from the same family.
0: Did Gretchen, did my secretary say anything else? I wanted to be sure I'd fully lance the boil before I addressed the wound, so to speak. Molina made a little pouty expression.
1: She told me where I could find you. And, oh, yes, there was one more thing. There was a funny little fat man in the front office. When I first came in, he asked me if I knew the benefits of whole life. Then he tried to get my phone number. Your secretary put a stop to that.
0: I ran my hand through my hair and looked off at the Asian kid, who was still frowning into the screen of his laptop. Melina had gotten the full treatment all right. Well, I said, where to begin? The funny little man is named Bonnaker. I share the office with him and he was trying to sell you insurance and maybe a few other things. Gretchen is my secretary, but we, unlike your sister and I, used to go out. Gretchen is engaged to someone else now. However, that doesn't stop her from taking an unhealthy interest in the women I do date. When she saw you, she probably assumed that... I realized too late that I'd backed myself into a corner. Not that I told her you and I were seeing each other, you understand, or that I go out with many women, but she probably jumped to the conclusion...
1: I understand.
0: Melina smiled, sipped at her coffee and relaxed back into her chair.
1: And you promised me you were not seeing Araceli?
0: Truly. If your sister could hear this conversation, she'd be laughing at us. Now, if I can change the subject, why did you want to see me?
1: Many reasons. You know the first, the suit. Also, Orlando told me about the conversation at the wake. I wanted you to know that my father did not mean to insult you. That is the way he is with everyone, abrupt and mistrustful. I am glad you agreed to take the job as strange as it must seem to you. Up until recently, father's been obsessed with getting back into politics. This interest in building the family mausoleum at La Recoleta, however morbid, seems to have replaced it. And on balance, I think that is a good thing.
0: What's wrong with politics? Molina traced a finger along the rim of her coffee mug.
1: Do you know anything about Argentine politics, August? May I call you August?
0: I know as much about Argentine politics as you probably know about the San Francisco Giants. And yes, please call me August.
1: You are right, I know nothing about the Giants, but I suspect they are easier to understand than Argentine politics. My father is a Peronist, as most people in politics today, but he is a Peronist of the old school. Juan Peron's original party, the Justicialist Party, has splintered into many factions that span the full political spectrum. The majority of the people in office now are left or left-center, but my father is more right-leaning. That has caused him to lose his seat in the Senate in the last legislative election and has left him isolated and frustrated.
0: I sipped some of my coffee and thought back to the conversation with Riviero and Orlando. Your father told me that he adopted you in Araceli when he married your mother, And that Araceli rebelled against him. What about you? Are you close to him? Melina looked at me for a moment and then flashed the sort of dazzling smile a lonely man could live off for a week.
1: It is not for nothing you are a detective.
0: I grinned. Don't feel like you have to answer. It's really none of my business.
1: I do not mind. You probably thought it odd when father sent me away in the funeral director's office. The truth is we are neither close nor distant. A woman doesn't like to admit this, but I am quite a bit older than Araceli was. I already had my own life by the time my mother married Reynaldo. I was already dancing with the ballet estable in Buenos Aires, and later I married the conductor of the symphony.
0: So I had gotten the ballet right, but for some reason I had assumed she was single. I couldn't stop my eyes from straying to her ring finger.
1: no. You will not find a ring there, she said. We were divorced last year. I moved back into my father's house after the separation, so he and I have spent more time together the last few months than we have in many years. And of course, when Arateli died, I had to come to the U.S. with him and Orlando. She was my closest living blood relative.
0: Melina kept her tone light as she said this last bit, but now her eyes welled with moisture. She reached for a napkin and dabbed at the tears.
1: I am sorry, August. I did not intend to cry.
0: I'm the one who should apologize. I know this is a difficult time for you. She shook her head, dabbed at her eyes again, and then folded the napkin into a small square, which she placed next to her coffee.
1: I think it is only fair to turn the tables on the detective. If you are not seeing Araceli, are you seeing anyone else?
0: I laughed. No, it's been a while. My last relationship didn't turn out so well. I didn't mention that it was probably because I was involved with the daughter of a client.
1: What about family?
0: I've never been married and never had children.
1: So sad. What about parents or siblings? Are you close to them?
0: I squirmed around in my chair. This was really boomeranging in a way I didn't like. I never talked about my parents, not even with Chris or Gretchen. That's kind of personal, I said. Melina either didn't pick up on my discomfort or chose to ignore it.
1: Come on, you have to play fair.
0: I took a deep breath and glanced around the room. The counterman was back, polishing the coffee urns by the register, while he kept a jealous eye glued on our table. The Asian kid had closed up the laptop and was exploring his ear canal with a pencil eraser. I looked back at Melina, and for some reason I decided, what the hell, I'm going to talk about it. Possibly because wrecking the galaxy had brought my father to mind. Possibly because telling a near stranger from another country seemed easier. My mother and father are dead now. They were both relatively old when they had me. I never really knew my father. He left before I was born, and he never married my mother. I was raised in Santa Monica by my mom, who worked as a newspaper reporter on the police beat. I took Reardon for my last name, since that was her name. Now Melina was the one squirming in her seat. Although a lot of people have called me a bastard, it was clear she wasn't expecting to be told I literally was one when she asked the question. She tried her best to go with it.
1: I see why you are a detective. Your mother wrote about them.
0: That's right. But it runs even deeper than that. Her father, my grandfather, was the former chief of police in Santa Monica. And although I never had anything to do with my father, She told me that he was a private detective, too. Apparently, they met on a case.
1: But you never met him?
0: No, not really. He moved to Palm Springs at some point, and one day after my mother died, he called out of the blue. I hung up on him. I nudged a sugar packet across the table, embarrassed at the memory, and embarrassed to be recounting it now to Melina. A number of years later, a tow truck with a car showed up at my door in Phoenix, Arizona. The driver said he'd been paid to deliver it to me it had california plates and the pink slip which was in my father's name was signed over to me later i went to the library and looked through the newspapers they had for palm springs i found a two-paragraph obituary for him
1: what did you do with the car
0: i still have it it's the one i rammed the cable car with molina reached her hand across the table palm up i hesitated then put my hand in hers.
1: Freud might have something to say about a son who takes on the profession of the father he never knew, she said. But thank you again for what you did for Aratieli, and thank you for telling me about your life. Maybe it does us both a little good to share the uncomfortable burdens we carry.
0: I liked holding her hand, but felt silly given the circumstances, especially given the way the counterman continued to scope us out. I gave her hand a little squeeze, and then pulled back to my side of the table. Speaking of inherited items, I noticed you have a three-foot-high Tweety bird now. What are your plans for that? Melina gave me a lopsided grin and launched into a detailed description of Araceli's stuffed animal collection. It was clear she was trying to put as much distance from the earlier moment as possible, and I appreciated the effort. She was in the middle of describing how she had donated most of the collection to a children's hospital when my cell phone rang. I had given the number to so few people that I rarely had surprises, but when I fished the phone out of my pocket, the display showed an unfamiliar number from the 510, that is, an East Bay area code. I flipped it open.
1: Mr. Reardon, this is Jeff Arrow from Mountain View. I've got some good news for you. You do? Yes. I called a couple of buddies of mine who run cemeteries in Colma and asked about your Maria de Magistris. I got lucky on the second try.
0: Got lucky, as in you found her?
1: Yes, at Cypress Lawn, they have a record from 1974 of her internment. If you've got something to write with, I'll give you all the particulars.
0: I fumbled a small notebook and pen from my jacket and copied down the information Arrow dictated, including the plot number at the cemetery and the name and number of the director. He ended by telling me he'd put in a good word for me with the head guy and that they would see me today if I hustled over there. I thanked him profusely, and he said...
1: For the cable car hero, anything.
0: I hung up. The task had gone from impossibly hard to ridiculously easy in less than two hours. I gave Melina the good news and we agreed she should ferry me back to my car post haste. She zipped us back onto the grounds of Mountain View and pulled up behind the Escalade, where she put the Honda in park. I thanked her and was getting out when she reached over and took my wrist
1: i would like to see you again august
0: she said better and better i leaned back into the car and kissed her cheek any time you want you have been listening to the big wake up a book publishers weekly described as outstanding in a starred review find it in ebook or trade paperback wherever books are sold In this podcast, it's read by author Mark Coggins. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com.